0: From the high desert in far east west Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with Ed Sports TV Ratings. Hi, I'm Robert Seidman, and joining me today is Ryan Glassbeagle of the Big Lead. Ryan, welcome back to the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with Ed Sports TV Ratings.
1: <laughs> the um, you're you're on the Twitter hiatus. I don't know if that means you're calling from Siberia or Texas or what.
0: I, I am today in Texas. So still, still in Texas today. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, maybe the uh, podcast needs to be renamed at some point, uh, but we'll, we'll see. For now, the, uh, the, the Twitter sabbatical is going to be ongoing. Uh, and uh, since I've been a slacker who hasn't followed the sports media landscape all that closely the past few weeks... Uh, Ryan actually came up with uh, most of the topics we'll talk about today. But before getting to those, there was one thing I did notice, and that is ESPN's Norby Williamson seems hell-bent on hammering home the point that politics, bad, very bad, uh, to the point where it seems like it's almost an exhilarating and enjoyable pastime for Norby. And uh, I should disclose that I really like Mike Soltis, Crystal Placca, and a lot of folks in uh, ESPN's PR empire, and I confess that's probably a weakness of mine. Uh, but when I see those stories, I think both you know, poor Laplac and Soltis. But I also think they should tell Norby to kind of shut the fuck up. But I'm biased to thinking no good uh, comes out of Norby hammering that point. And uh, clearly a lot of people disagree. And uh, also I have to admit, while I'm sure I'd rather break bread with, say, uh, Burke Magnus than Norby when it comes to ESPN execs, I can't deny I'd probably rather watch a, a dramatic TV series about uh, Norby and his antics. And I'm just wondering what uh, your thoughts are on all of that.
1: Well, I met both of them on my trip to ESPN. I think it was in May, but it might have been in April. I enjoyed meeting both, both of them. An interesting thing about Norby that people might not know about him is he has this kind of like reclining office chair in his office behind his desk and he like lies down on it on his side <laughs> while he's talking in like a position that does not look very comfortable <laughs> to me, but it's like really fascinating <laughs> vision. Uh, uh
0: a- anything on the, uh, on the, uh, the idea of, uh, <laughs> Oh, you meant
1: uh, you meant about <laughs> what, he, what he said. Uh, no, that's good. Well, that's
0: good background. But, uh, the, the, you know, uh, it, you know, is, is continuing to kind of keep, the ESPN and politics idea live, even if it's that they're no longer doing it. Does that make any sense to you?
1: Well, you you know, see, here's the thing. He was probably asked about that specifically and gave an answer. It wasn't a free flowing podcast. So you don't really know whether he brought it up, but just given the topics of what Ben Strauss, the media reporter for the Washington post has done, I assume that he was the one who brought it up and then he included Norby's answer in his story. Now, it, it, Norby's also the guy who brought back Keith Oberman and a few months before Oberman came back to ESPN, he was quite vocal in politics. But I think what Norby, where he's trying to draw the line is that he wants SportsCenter to be sports news and highlights. And to the extent that you can eliminate the intersection between sports and politics. And it's not always possible because for example, today Eric Reed is a big story because he's been talking about how the statistical significance of how much he's been drug tested. He had Colin Kaepernick on his tweets. And I think you have to address that if you're ESPN in some way, but in anywhere on the margins where you can avoid addressing it. I think that's what he wants. And I don't know. I, the thing is is that we can litigate 6 PM sports center all we want, but the numbers are up. And so as long as there are pockets of ESPN that he's in control of where numbers are rising, which is against the tide of what's happening much of the elsewhere in the television landscape, then I think that his power is going to continue to consolidate. Right. Right.
0: Okay. So uh, moving on. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that you wanted to talk about uh, was the, the NBA ratings landscape and kind of your thoughts on that overall. So, so rather than guide you to saying what you're going to say, I'll just let you say it.
1: (laughs) Well, they, ESPN, I know for a fact, knew that this season that the um the opening windows on the Eastern Conference of their doubleheaders were going to be down with LeBron moving west. LeBron is such a dominant force that he he just draws eyeballs. It's almost like how Peyton Manning was with the NFL and the NFL is just now coming out of that shadow. But ESPN knew that they were going to take some hits on the front end of double headers with LeBron being on the Lakers, and there was a story I think last month by Austin Carp in the Sports Business Journal that had ESPN down eight percent and TNT down twenty six percent. And since then, I believe ESPN has climbed back to being right around even for the year. I'm not sure where TNT stands, but to me, the fact that TNT was down three times as much as ESPN was suggested to me that ESPN was more diligent and um, persistent with the NBA schedulers in softening the blow as much as they could compared to TNT.
0: Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm gonna take a wait and see with that. So I think you know over over a long season and in both of those networks air a lot of games, uh, over a long season. It's a, it is, you know, it's cliche, but it is a marathon and not a sprint. And, uh, I, I think the LeBron thing, um, you know, while it is a factor, I think other factors that really hit TNT hard were, um, the, the 2017 opening night was just, there was just a lot more anticipation around that than the 2018 opening night. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, That that you know Turner has Turner both Turner ESPN and the NBA uh, in general more generally have a a a big opportunity to catch up and I will be surprised if you know if I know a lot of people have made hay about the LeBron thing and I I don't think it's a non-factor but you know at the end of the year I think you know last year the NBA ratings were I believe you know the like the best in four years so I won't be surprised if they're down uh, you know, single digits from that, uh, your low single digits. But, uh, I also won't be surprised if they, they scratch back to more or less break even, uh, you know, that, that's one of the things that, so what,
1: what if, what if ESPN ends up down like three, four 5% and Turner's down 15%? Well, but I mean, those so are I, the final numbers, would you say that my theory is correct? Uh,
0: So obviously, if those are the final numbers, I I think that that lends a great deal of credence to that. But, uh, you know, they're they're not even you know, they're not a third of the way through their, you know, their NBA season yet. So so we'll see.
1: Okay, And then the other point I wanted to get to that we spoke about off air and I want to expand. It's still a little bit embryonic and I haven't reached out to them for them to defend themselves yet uh, because I haven't. Gotten ready to totally write it and put it on paper. But I wonder if Turner Sports is at a little bit of an inflection point. And so that was part of it. Um, they can tout Tiger Phil as a viewership success, but the fact of the matter is that they couldn't get the payment processor right and they had to give it away to everybody for free. And just like, just put yourself in the shoes right now. Let's say.
0: ESPN. Just one clarification. So online, they did that. If you, you know, if you went to www.bleacherreport.com, they certainly gave it away for free. But I believe the case. did, Did did they like if you bought it for? you know, for, for 30 bucks, 25 bucks, whatever it was on, let's say through your, uh, through your cable provider. Did, did they credit those? I, yes. I,
1: everybody was refunded.
0: I see. Okay. I, that was something that I wasn't aware of. So, so yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big swing and a miss in terms of, in terms of revenue. Uh, but, uh, you know, these things I think are experiments and, and, uh, you know, the, 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 whatever that costs them. Um, you know from a from an ATT t point of view certainly it 's a it 's a drop in the bucket rounding error i mean i'm i 'm not saying it it's, That's a, true, it's, but okay, it's a good put look
1: yourself, just imagine yourself in these shoes what if e s p n had won the bidding for that event they put it on e s p n plus and e s p n plus couldn 't handle the um the flow of payment processing, uh, the, how big of a story is that? And people criticizing ESPN?
0: Well, well, because of the, you know, because of what we talked about earlier, you know, people just out on ESPN for, uh, you know, political blogs, just deliberately using that as a grist for the mill. If that had happened to ESPN, I think I would still be seeing stories from Breitbart in my uh, google alerts uh and uh and clearly I'm not seeing that about turner so i so i i think you know i think e s p n uh, is a bigger magnet for those sorts of things if, if there's any kind of failure. So I do think it would have been a much bigger deal. Uh, but I don't think it's, so I, I I mean, it's, I think it's a really bad look and I think it, you know, to me, it speaks more to, uh, streaming, streaming big events more generally. Uh, but, uh, I, I don't think that's anything that, uh, that, uh, that Turner can't kind of slough off and, 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 uh, and, and turn around ultimately.
1: And so that that's another thing. But I I would believe just by reading tweets, I would bet that there is a greater than fifty fifty shot that TMT loses their MLB playoff package to ESPN when that comes up in a few years. And then I would also argue that the jump has passed inside the NBA in terms of relevance. Now inside the NBA is on really late at night for the part that people care about. It comes after the West Coast doubleheader, and the jump is on every day in the middle of the afternoon. But Rachel Nichols getting those interviews before the season with Jimmy Butler and Mark Cuban, to me were bigger, relevant moments than anything inside the NBA has produced. And I don't... This this is going to sound like a criticism, and I still think the show is good. It's not bad, but... Jack is their most recent player um, on their team, and he finished playing in 2011. So all of the players on their panel kind of missed the new um, ball movement and three-point shooting proliferation that the Warriors brought in. And they haven't really played with the players that are dominating now. And so I think that like the shows on ESPN that have some more recent players do a better job of reacting to that style, whereas Barkley, who's gonna remain great at this until he dies, <laughs> he just kind of he he he's dismissed it for so long as it's totally taken over, and there isn't um, a kind of there there's not a player with credibility to counterbalance him on their cheeks like you would have uh, elsewhere so i wonder i wonder though if that's
0: so bad just because you know mostly it's older people watching tv and so to have a couple guys that are basically old man shakes fistic cloud which is which is a, a lot of what what inside the NBA is when it comes to when it comes to the ball movement stuff you're talking about, or I know Barkley's big thing was you know what the, the you know jump shooting teams they they don't they don't win championships and and he still says that sometimes even though obviously it's not true anymore. Uh,
1: it's inaccurate. It's yeah, it's a, that's it's fake not, news. But it, but old men watching TV at one in the morning on the coast i don't know i uh, so and- i I
0: think i think if you know if you look at the median age even for the double header and even for inside the nba you're going to see that the that it, it's still you know relative to some other sports certainly going to be lower but uh i think you, you would versus itself uh it's 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 no doubt in my mind that 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 that's creeped up now um, I, I still think, I mean, I think there's, there's, there's merits to your point. Um, and I, I you know, but I also think that the, 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 jump and inside the NBA are kind of two different things. Uh, I think, you know, inside the NBA would be maybe more com- compared to say NBA countdown and,
1: uh, which is still better Then, to be fair inside the NBA is still better than NBA countdown, but Three years ago, I think we would have said that the NBA is the most relevant must-see NBA conversation that exists on television. And I think that the jump has passed it in terms of relevance. But the broader point with Turner is they really got hamstrung by the fact that the, the Justice Department held up the AT&T Time Warner merger, and it's still ongoing and through the Department of Justice's appeal. This should have been done like two years ago, and they really had grand ambitions about things that they were going to do as a merged company that they're just kind of, their hands are kind of tied behind their backs. So I don't know that I necessarily blame anybody at Turner Sports for kind of the inflection point that I mentioned. And I don't think it's something that they can't rebound from if they, uh, there's no cliche way to say like how they would rebound from it, but no non-cliche way, but that they really were held up by, the government in terms of this merger. And we still don't know what the company's going to look like post-merger. So that's why you got to give, the, or I got to give them a little bit of a break because it's not like they can go and extend their MLB deal for eight years like Fox just did or however many years it was. And so like the longer, the closer it gets to the deadline, the longer ESPN has their wedge in there and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that package.
0: The The MLB package. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be wait and see with that too. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know how much the, uh, the, the mergers really holding Turner sports back on that. Um, and, and I, I you know, the only thing that I want to say with, with regard to the NBA commentary is, uh, you know, I, so I think definitely, Um, I want to give Rachel Nichols and the jump and everyone involved with the jump, a lot of credit, but I don't, I don't think that's to the detriment necessarily of, of inside the NBA. I just kind of look at that as two separate things like that, that the one doesn't really take away from the other for, for me anyway. Makes sense. You know, the, the, the MLB package stuff is interesting. I mean, so I get very, very clearly why Fox did what they wanted to do. Um, and I, I, you know, while while sports rights are a big deal, and I, I know they're very important to Turner, um, you know that that package that they have, really, you know, so they they have those those um, Sunday non-exclusive games, though though they're they're produced, you know, by a Turner booth, they they're non-exclusives. Um, and I think all those games are throwaways. I mean you know hardly anyone right. watches any Their of those games, is, is so they 're really, really irrelevant other yeah, than uh, the playoffs um, the right so,
1: month of the playoffs
0: so so you know the question becomes and and they have uh, they have one l d s series and uh one l c s series Both of those are valuable. The question is is how i mean you know because you're you 're talking about between them. Uh, a max of 12 games and you know as few as 7 games if you know both of both of those series are short editors note oops i screwed that mlb playoff game accounting up while i was on the call with ryan and i wanted to correct it tbs actually has a maximum of 18 playoff games and a minimum of 11 via two lds series one lcs plus one of the wild card games and the uh, LDS games that air on MLB Network come from the series that air on FS1. Sorry about that. Back to the podcast. Uh, and so, you know, how much is that really, really worth? Um, th- those are those are big questions, and I can't answer them. And I, I you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Turner does because um, it makes it does make more sense for me uh, for someone like ESPN or, or even Fox, um, you know, to throw more money than it's worth at, uh, just, just because of all the other MLB inventory that they would have anyway, uh, versus, versus Turner, who only really has a little bit of MLB inventory that matters. Uh, Uh, however, the thing that I don't know, and it'd be a good thing to talk to, uh, someone at Turner about, you know, I know back in the day, like, you know, those those couple series were a really big deal for Turner in terms of like launching some of their scripted and unscripted you know series that that run in primetime, but as those things wane and more and more of that goes to Netflix in terms of people's eyeballs, uh, I wonder how big of a deal that really is for Turner anymore.
1: And internally, they talked about. Um some of the like taking away some of those resources towards those shows and putting them towards HBO. So I agree with you that that's a consideration that is waning from there.
0: So I know one thing that's always of interest to you that I'm, I'm, you (laughs) know, I'm on the sidelines, scratching my head, still going, why do people care about this? But I understand a lot of people do is WWE. And I, and for all my not paying attention to sports media, uh, I did wind up seeing in many many cases that you know that Vince McMahon was going to be on Raw. So hit me with hit me with whatever your WWE uh, Raw or just general WWE rant du jour is.
1: So their ratings are down precipitously. Raw especially, SmackDown to a lesser extent. Raw has been a really bad show. They've had some bad luck with. Injuries like four or five of their stars have been hurt, but beyond that, they haven't been writing it very well. And very weirdly, in the last two weeks, they've been just openly telling the audience, This show has been bad, and we're going to fix it. And that was the impetus for Vince coming on to Raw yesterday. But then, after the segment where he and his daughter Stephanie, his son in law Hunter, Hurst, Helmsley, and his son Shane were in the promo. The rest of the raw looked a lot like the bad ones that have been on for the last few months. And it's going to be really interesting to see what their floor is with this. Now, part of it is cyclical. They always go down um, versus Monday night football and then come back up when right. football season ends, but they're way down more this year than they ever been before their third hour is approaching under 2 million viewers and the, which is like really crazy to think about and the the fact of the matter is as long as Vince McMahon is writing it i think that they're in trouble so they they might get a break because he's launching the XFL and perhaps like he could go and focus on that and give some of the creative control to um, Stephanie and to Hunter. And because like that would give me some faith because Hunter's been the creative director for their minor league developmental um, territory NXT, which is writes everything logically and develops great characters and has very compelling storylines. And if that happens, then I think that they have a really good shot at rebounding from this, but I don't know. Like they, they, it's weird. They they were like, we haven't been listening to the audience and we're going to start listening to the audience and you don't want them to, (laughs) it's, it's very surreal that they're admitting that in person, but then they use this wrestler that people don't like as kind of the avatar for people's dislike when he's really just doing what they wrote for him. And I know this has got to sound insane to anybody who doesn't watch this stuff regularly, but that's kind of where they are with their ratings and their story right now.
0: Okay. So here's, uh, this is based on nothing. Here's my wild speculative idea. What if there's just a flip going on with raw and SmackDown That's deliberate in the same way that the NFL intentionally flipped the script between Monday night, the Monday night package being the one with the good games and the Sunday night package becoming the one with the good games. What if as a result of Fox paying the big results from SmackDown, it's kind of it's kind of been the plan all along to figure out how to make SmackDown the premier property at the expense, which will come at the expense of of Raw.
1: I, you know, I don't think that they did that on purpose. I couldn't ever rule any McMahon chicanery out <laughs> com- entirely because, look, maybe he is like eight steps ahead of us and he is properly executing your conspiracy theory. But <laughs> a big advantage of SmackDown is that it's two hours whereas Raw is three. And so they there there's gonna if if you're looking at like the two and think they have like equal levels of high level talent, then there's gonna be less filler in the two hour show than there is in the three hour show. So I think if Raw were two hours, it would fix a lot of their issues, but they get paid a lot for that third hour. And I wonder It's totally unknowable, but how much better would their ratings be if they delivered an incredible two-hour show every week versus a mediocre three-hour show? Could they, in the two hours combined of that theoretical good show, have more viewing minutes than they do in their three-hour mediocre show? We'll never know because you can't run parallel universe experiments with Well, it, but.
0: my guess, my guess though, is just because, you know, there's really not all that many, uh, uh, you know, shows that, that aren't cable news anyway, or, or aimed at, aimed at kids or lifetime movies that regularly do over 2 million viewers anymore, or even 2 million viewers or even high 1 million viewers. And so I think the value Like even, even if they could boost the, uh, the, the eight, nine o'clock hour by, I don't know, 10 to 15% by doing what you're talking about. Uh, I think that that third hour is still valuable for what it is as it is that that's just my opinion though.
1: Yeah. I don't think that they're intentionally making Raw bad and Smackdown good because that that's been in progress that cycle for about two years really since they moved smackdown from thursdays to tuesdays and made it live it's been the better show than raw and what's going to be interesting is i think they're going to keep the brand split when um rog stays on usa and smackdown goes to fox but there's going to be a lot of haggling and wrangling behind the scenes of those networks trying to get the people who are hot on their show and that's going to be really interesting to observe from afar
0: okay we'll get you out of here with uh with our favorite topic uh, always nfl ratings it's not (laughs) it's not really my favorite topic in fact it's funny to me i get like a lot of emails are like how could you go off twitter when mb when nfl ratings are up and i'm thinking (laughs) <laughs> what, what do I care? It's not, you know, I'm not benefiting from it. And and by the way, I had predicted that uh, the ratings would be would actually be down single digits this year so that they're up is uh, is a little bit of a surprise to me, though. I've, I've said it before that uh, uh, just from the way that Nielsen works. I I don't really see that much difference between you know six percent up and six percent down. It's it's all kind of in the in the same general range. But from a from a PR standpoint, uh, certainly great news uh, for the NFL that that it that it is up. Um, and you you recently ha- had uh, Mike Mulvihill on your podcast and you talked a lot about NFL ratings actually the the most interesting thing to that uh, on that podcast to me was Mike's comments on sort of the World Series relative uh, ratings relative to the uh, to the overall TV landscape and I, I do recommend uh, you guys go check out uh, Ryan's uh, the the Glass half empty—that's the podcast name—and uh, and, and uh, the episode with Mike Mulvihill, which I think uh, we're taping. We're taping this on December eighteenth, two thousand eighteen, and I believe that was like two weeks ago, somewhere around
1: there. Yeah, it was about two weeks ago.
0: So uh, do do go do go listen to that podcast uh, with Mike, who's uh, kind of a just a font of uh, knowledge. Uh, about ratings and, and uh, you know, the, the TV landscape analytics. Uh, But uh, what, what are your thoughts in general on NFL ratings?
1: I think it comes down to the quarterbacks with football ratings and that's why they've really changed the rules to make it so that you can't hit them and to try to limit the ones who've gotten hurt. And it's not that ones haven't gotten hurt this year. I mean, Alex Smith, suffered a gruesome injury. Colt McCoy suffered a gruesome injury, but it's that the quarterbacks who have gotten hurt aren't the stars like Aaron Rodgers last year, et cetera, et cetera. And then they've had the emergence of Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield, and to a lesser extent, Sam Darnold and Josh Allen who are really exciting to watch play. And so you've got the, um, like, You've got people like Rivers and Breeze and Roethlisberger and Brady playing at later years than really ever could have been expected for them when they entered the league. And then you've got this new class that is emerging after there was a little bit of a lost generation in the middle for reasons that haven't been totally explained. And I think a lot of it has to do with that. Mulvihill pointed to the scoring. He pointed to less Flags. Um, but to me it's it comes down to when you're excited to watch an NFL game maybe like the Bears defense is like the lone exception of a unit that's just so excellent that you make an appointment to play that to, to see them regardless of who they're playing but like if it's in these standalone games, when you're deciding whether to get excited for them or not, it comes down to the quarterback. And this year the NFL has had great quarterback play.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on, uh, on whether there's any, any gambling boost. And I guess I'd frame it this way. Like I, I didn't see the final ratings, but I did see that the, uh, that CBS was touting that the uh, overnight ratings for uh, Pat Steelers was the the best overnight rating of the season on any network uh for any window and um I, you know I wonder if it's just that these you know a you got you have these big names Brady, roethlisberger and uh and, and you, you have all that going for it and then it it seems to me like and I don't have any data to back this up so if you, you know, if you have something that from Rovell to counter this, uh, you know, uh, hit me over the head with it. But, like, I wonder if there's just more impetus, just because people know the people, that even, like, on the gambling front, more people would gamble on Pat Steelers just because of, you know, the uh, name brand recognition than, say, other games, and and uh, if if that helps at all.
1: I think that's possible, but I don't think we're going to see gambling really impact television ratings until there's widespread adoption of mobile betting. Most of the places that have legalized it still make you go to like a brick and mortar casino. And I just don't see how many people out there, look, maybe it's helping out of home where you go. And you put the money down and then you watch it in the sports book, but how many people out there who wouldn't have watched the game already are driving twenty miles or whatever, putting the bet down, then driving home and then watching their games and oh, by the way, also have Nielsen boxes i'd be shocked if that is um hugely incremental at this point beyond people who are already betting with bookies on games but maybe i'm wrong
0: well i mean so i don't think it's hugely incremental but you know even a even like a percent or two uh helps i I guess it would make sense like to look at the the local ratings in the markets where people can just use it on their app i mean like i'm assuming like that if you live in las vegas is where you can
1: in las vegas i assume that you can Yes. New Jersey and Nevada are where you can do mobile betting, but New Jersey's the area where it's new. You could do mobile betting in Nevada last year.
0: Right. So, uh, any, so I don't, I, I just don't follow this stuff at all. The, um, um, the, the daily fantasy sports. Do you have any sense of what's going on with that sort of relative to prior years?
1: I think down from two years ago, but when there was a huge, maybe it was even three years ago. Yeah, now, whatever like, year they like, had like every ad, every ad
0: was was for uh, fantasy sports, daily fantasy sports. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't. It's got to be down from there. I I do have friends who play it, but I haven't gotten a sense that it's gone up year over year.
0: So uh, before, I,
1: I don't. I haven't studied it though to know one hundred percent of like the statistical efficacy though.
0: Okay, so uh, I'll get you out of here with this. Is there is there anything that you've posted recently or that you're working on that you want to tell the folks about?
1: Uh, I wrote a piece today about how the Packers, which is code word for me, <laughs> should pray that Aaron Rodgers is not in severe structural decline. Because they're committed to him for three more years at over $30 million a year. And if he plays for the next three, like he played this year, it's going to be a lot of unhappy Novembers and Decembers in Wisconsin households. So I'd recommend taking a look at that. And I'm probably going to do that Turner piece. I've been saying it for two or three weeks that I was going to do it, but I haven't sat down and really fleshed it out on paper. And I'm working up on a piece, I don't want to give it away too much, about a guy behind the scenes at ESPN who has enormous clout in the conversation that we see on daytime studio shows.
0: Oh, exciting. Any any hints at all?
1: Uh. I, I can't give any hints. I don't, okay. Okay.
0: No no, okay. no, no, no spoilers. Well, happy holidays. And uh, thanks as always for joining the podcast. It was great to talk to you.
1: Thanks to you as well. Have a great one. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to your returning to the social media <laughs> ecosystem whenever that may be.
0: Uh, I don't know. I just, by the way, not that I ever use Facebook that much, but I just put into de- just to delete my Facebook account all the way. I, the, Ooh. The, the, well, those guys, they're just, hey, God the, Zuckerberg. well, it's not hey, that
1: have a really random, funny story. Okay, go still go, on the line. go for it. Uh, so, my, my nanny from when I was an infant went to my brother's wedding a few months ago in DC, and apparently, she had been a nanny in New Jersey, and it hadn't like just worked out with the family. So it turns out that she was Mark Zuckerberg's nanny right before she was my nanny. <laughs>
0: And, and and uh uh how, how do you how do you think that worked out for you versus zuckerberg i'm just curious um well
1: i'm not under fire so <laughs> you can
0: have this billions of dollars i've got my peace of mind there you go i i you know i i think i think peace of mind is is very valuable what, what's you can't, really worth more you can't put a price tag on peace of mind i agree with you all right great to talk to you ryan
1: uh, have a good one, Bob. Thank you again for having me talk soon.